It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by Matt Minnick of Chalk Talk, does some work over at Cincy Jungle. And Matt, welcome to the show. We're here every day on the Locked On Bengals podcast. For those of you that are new to the program, thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available anywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And Matt, last week you were listening to the show right after Zach Taylor's extension was announced and something caught your ear, something I think I think it was me that said that, you know, it would be fun maybe to to get a debate going. On, on the people that really dislike Zach Taylor's play calling and, and think that he's bad at situational football. And, and you had some strong feelings about that and, and on the culture side and about some of the things that a lot of fans don't think about that NFL head coaches have to deal with. You have coaching experience, of course. Your Twitter handle, at Coach Minnick. For those of you that don't follow him, you should. Great X's and O's stuff and some cool insight on the Bengals that maybe is a different perspective than you get from Lockdown Bengals. And so you're here to talk about the culture that you've observed from the outside in Cincinnati and and some of the impacts that you think, and and maybe some of the things that are undersold about Zach Taylor's coaching, uh, the positives to his coaching approach in Cincinnati. Yeah. I I mean, it really, when you said that, I was like, well, I got to be on this because all I ever hear about is, uh, is is play calling. And and I just think, I, I think that's a big problem that they have in the NFL is we, they hire too many play callers. And they don't hire enough leaders. And look, there was no way to know this about Zach Taylor. And I, I think a lot of people were really excited about him because he's a young offensive mind. We didn't necessarily know that much about him uh, when they brought him in, but we were excited about that that concept of it. But I think his strength really seems to be based on the culture he's been able to build uh, and, and how he's been able to bring this whole group together. And I think you look at just the way – well, we'll start with, with, with Burrow. Obviously, Burrow's the accelerator, you know, and, and without Burrow, we're not in the Super Bowl. Without, you know, like that that wasn't happening. Uh, you know, Taylor didn't turn this thing around on his own. But the the wheels were in motion, you know, prior to that. And I think you could see, for instance, like the way they were fighting to win that Miami game that none of us wanted them to win. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Boyd was, you know, was, was uh, you know, hurting himself in the field trying to get that win at the end but like the way you could see those guys fighting for that win that could have potentially cost them the first overall pick in that draft because they were trying to build that 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 culture that was about winning about fighting uh you know and and competing together and again it's the end of the year and when really if you think about it that you know the the benefit the most benefit that you get from that game is losing that losing it and getting the number one pick uh but they're out, out there competing so I think you look at you look at how how that works. I think you look at how 
from the moment Burrow got here, the two of them, like their press conferences could be interchanged. You know, uh, Zach Taylor, not quite the the, the slick dresser uh, that, <laughs> that Joe Burrow is, but like you just, you hear them talk and it's like, these are two guys who are on the same page, 100%. You know, and when Burrow's uh, helmet goes off and he's calling his own plays in that game, like, you could, I, I guarantee you, he's doing what Zach Taylor wanted to do because you could just, you, you could see that relationship there, uh, and that they're they're on the same page. Uh, so I, you know, I think just overall that connection, you know, you've got that great leader uh, that you that you were able to draft that we were lucky to be able to get. Uh, but I think you've got a, a, a great leader on the sideline who's pulling it all together from a, from an entire team standpoint. Yeah, I think the smartest thing Zach did was get in with Burrow, right, and and get in his uh, not good graces necessarily, but earn that confidence from him. Because if if everyone's buying into Burrow, even if you have your questions about Zach, if Burrow believes in Zach, then it just goes hand in hand, right? And you don't have the eye rolls, have all of those things. Uh, I think, uh, and the one thing that stands out to me the most about this past year with Zach is they threw everything at Burrow from a, a playbook standpoint after doing a lot of the LSU concepts. It was kind of like, let's throw everything at him versus a place that I came from and, and I covered for a couple years. Kevin Stefanski gets the town in Cleveland and it's Alex Van Pelt, you know, used to be on Zach's staff in 2019 and they kind of pacify Baker Mayfield and they don't throw everything at him. And, and so I, I think that veterans see that and, and from a – uh, a coaching standpoint, when you do that, I think that has an impact too. One, in the belief of the quarterback, but two, uh, believing that the you have the right coach that that's leading the way. Do you do you agree with that? Do you think that that has an impact? Yeah, and I think that you need to understand who your team is, and you need to understand who you are. And I think, look, this is a very young coaching staff. Uh, yeah. You know, Lou Anarumo is an old guy, but Lou Anarumo is a young defensive coordinator because he doesn't have that experience. Um, and it's a very, very young team. You know, they brought in a bunch of guys who who have uh, playoff experience and especially college football playoff experience, you know, so that, that, that definitely helps with the culture shift, bringing in those guys who know how to win, they know how to prepare to win. Um, but I think that that's part of being – I think they really embrace being a young team, you know, th- this year. Uh, you know, we can complain about some areas where it would be, eh, be great to have a veteran there. But there's something to say for that, for being a being a young, going for it, YOLO kind of team. Uh, and I, I think that's that's what you do. You're like, hey, this is I'm a young coach. This is my young quarterback. I'm going to throw it at him. I'm going to trust him, um, which, you know, it sounds like that was kind of the opposite of what was going on with Stefanski. Was, you know, there's a, I mean, Stefanski took over midseason as offensive coordinator in, in Minnesota. Like, he didn't have a ton more experience than, than Taylor did, really, with play calling and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um you've got that guy with that attitude, with that swagger, and you're kind of letting him take ownership of it. Like, like, like anything. Uh, And I think any of us can relate in our, in our own professions, you know, whether it's, it's having a, having an editor as a, as a writer who lets you pick your own stories and, you know, lets you go about things the way you want to do it. Um, When you're able to have ownership in your work, like you're gonna you're gonna get better results out of people when you let them uh, thrive, you know, and kind of kind of cut the cords a little bit. You know, that's such a great point. 
like in my personal life, that really resonates with me. And I'm sure some of our listeners out there feel the same way. As soon as like a manager in my my other job, my non-podcast job comes along and says, hey, you should do it this way is when I start looking for another job. You know what I mean? And, and so when you yeah. have that ownership and you have that that freedom and that relationship where it's like, OK, I trust you to do your job and you trust me to do my job and you have that reciprocal trust which it really seems like Burrow and Taylor have, I think that's really important. And the other thing that you know has stood out to me in this conversation so far is you talk about the leadership of Burrow, the leadership of Zach Taylor, and, and you can see it in the way that the whole team presents themselves. You talk about how Joe Burrow and, and Taylor's press conferences are interchangeable, and I think you see little bits of the quarterback and the head coach's personality in this team. And James could tell you, and if you've been listening to the show every day, you would know that I've said this in the past. You see these elements of Joe Burrow's leadership in the rest of the team and these elements of Zach Taylor's steadiness in the rest of the team. And so I think that's a, a really good point to talk about how those two guys are in such lockstep. But Matt, outside the, of Eli Apple's Twitter, that is. Well, and sometimes Quentin Spain's, if we're being honest, they have some guys that like to get out there on, on social media. Tyler Boyd sometimes gets a little chirpy, but, you know, that's that's a modern NFL. And I think Taylor gets all that. We talked about that when they hired him. Like, he gets the social media thing, but neither yeah. here nor well, there. That's the interesting aspect of it, too, is it's like it, it's not like it's really rehearsed. You yeah. know, it, it's it's not the Patriot way. Right. You know, like I, I live in New England, and my like my favorite Patriots were like like – one of my favorite Patriots was Akeem Tlaib because Akeem Tlaib was just never going to uh, do the Patriot way in press conferences. You know, Brady, Brady was, Brady was above it. Like Brady didn't have to do it. Gronk was, you know, Gronk was going to be himself too, but like Khalid was just completely being, or, or excuse me, uh, Akeem Tlaib was just being himself in press conferences. And, you know, you didn't have that rehearsed scripted thing. You know, James, like, you know, like you're a, you're a professional you know what I mean? I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a blogger, so you probably have more experience with those sort of situations than I do. But to me, I, like with the Bengals, it's it's like they're all – it feels like they're all on the same page. It doesn't feel like they're all reading the same script. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you're absolutely right. From We've had Brian Callahan on a bunch, right? And it, it sounds almost identical to what Zach says. It's just a different way. It's Brian's style of saying it versus, you know, Zach's versus Joe's. And so I, yeah. I totally agree there. And that's – an exciting part about the future of the Bengals. We'll continue this conversation uh, with Matt coming up. But first, a word from betonline.net. Football might be over, but basketball is full steam ahead. And whether it's the pros after the All-Star game, maybe it's college and you want to wager on my UC Bearcats. They're struggling right now. You can do all of that and so much more at betonline.net with all the latest odds, player performance props, and so much more. It's the best spot for all of your scores and news this season. And it's not just basketball. They got you covered for UFC, boxing, and so much more at betonline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get started right now. Again, that's betonline.net, where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
Where I wanted to go, Matt, next is this this play calling discussion, right? There's this <laughs> group of, of people, and, and there's probably some truth to it, right? There, people, fans in general. I wonder if there's a fan base out there that thinks, you know what, that offensive coordinator, man, he, he's never messed up. <laughs> there, there's always something that NFL fans like to take issue with. There are times that James and I have taken issue with some of the decisions. One of them that we talked about before we started recording is the, this whole idea of, of Samaj P. Ryan being on the field for for that last drive of the game in the Super Bowl and, and some of the spots where he's been used that have been criticized throughout the playoffs. The ball that bounces off his hands that gets intercepted, for example, an, another one of those. And so so there's that element of it. And and there's also the the you know, some critics out there that rightly or wrongly would say something like, you know, why isn't there RPO game? Where where's the naked boots? Where's the hurry up? Where are all these elements that could be used to to try to protect the offensive line a little bit more and get Joe Burrow going? So when when you see that sort of stuff, Matt, as as a guy that has coaching experience, as a guy that believes in Zach Taylor, what what's your kind of retort or response to those sorts of ideas? Well, I mean, I, I I'm one hundred percent with it because uh, there's definitely a lot of things that I'd love to see too. You know, I think a lot of the time, a lot of the complaints that people make about play calling really come down to situational football, uh, where whether it be a you know, what you're doing on fourth down, personnel thing like Samaj P. Ryan, uh, going for two, uh, clock management. Like, to me, those are things that Marvin Lewis was not the best at, uh, you know, stepping in and, and taking part of. Uh, but whoever it is, like the head coach, regardless if he's calling plays, regardless if, if he's an offensive guy, he should be, you know, he should be the one that's ultimately responsible for those sort of things. Um, I'm uh, Like, uh, I remember in a few years ago, there was a situation with, Todd Haley driving the ball uh, uh, was, when he was the offense coordinator with the Steelers. And, like, they ran out of time. Uh, it was against the Patriots. It was, like, right before the half. They ran out of time. I think the tight end got tackled on, like, the one-yard line or something like that. And people were, like, losing their minds over Todd Haley. And I'm like, Mike Tomlin's got to ha- have control over that. Like, Mike, Mike Tomlin knows better than that. He's a better coach than that. So, um, I think a lot of times we get kind of swept up in some of that stuff. Uh, in terms of you should be running this, you should be running that, like, there's a finite amount of practice time, you know, and everything's got to be right with these things. And everybody's got to be on the same page with these, with, with these things. Uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to Burrow, which because we know we can throw a lot of him because, you know, he's got a lot of experience with RPOs. Like that makes it a little tougher to excuse. Like, you know, everybody else is doing the same stuff. Um, and you can really make it a, a case that, you know, I think somebody made a case that, that they're so good at screens because it doesn't look like their O-line's uh, pass blocking ever. You could probably make a similar case with, uh, uh, with the RPOs that it wouldn't look any different than any other kind of runner or anything like that. And, and you probably uh, – you never have to worry about getting a legal man downfield because they wouldn't get off the line of scrimmage or something. But um, So, I mean, I, yeah, I think there, there are some things to be said for that. Uh, that but I think that, like you said, there's – it's sometimes it's nitpicky, you know, it's like, well, you know, every, every fan base is going to complain about that stuff. I don't think they ran, they didn't run a running back screen in the Super Bowl. I think they ran like one receiver screen. And that's kind of, that is crazy to me. That blew my mind because uh, they're I, so bad at defending the screen. Yeah. And with everything else they do to protect Burrow to protect that offensive line, um, it, it, that was, but I didn't even realize it during the game. And then like, I heard somebody talking about it later. I was like, holy crap, they really didn't. 
Um, so, you know, that, that was kind of mind blowing. So by no means am I, am I saying that he's a perfect play caller? Um, I, I just feel that like you can see the, the, the cultural shift and the, the buy-in that these players have. Um, and, and I think that's a much more, more valuable thing, you know, and, and that's going to play much, uh, it's going to, to come around uh, a lot more. And well, I do well, think that- he's, he's grown. You know, I, I think he's, I think he grow, is growing as a pay car, which you don't always see. Uh, but, you know, when you don't fire guys after two years, like they have a chance to, to get better at these things. Um, like we, we were talking uh, off air about Jamar Chase complaining about not being played in the slot. That, that, that speaks to a few different things. Number one, that a, a culture that's strong enough to, to survive that happening. You know, because I think outsiders see that, you know, non-Bengals people see that. And their first thing is, oh, Cincinnati's falling apart. You know, like, oh, they got, or there's a diva receiver, you know, because that's what we're used to happening in those situations. But it, it never became a thing, number one. And number two, they started doing it, you know, and, and, and Chase had a lot of success in the slot. They were moving him around quite a bit after that. So, you know, it was, it was you got Taylor who's doesn't have such a big ego that he can't take it, even when it's in a public forum like that. Um, and, you know, and who's who's willing to listen? Be like, well, yeah, shit. You know, let's 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 get you against against the nickel corner. Like that makes sense. You're our best player. Let's get you the ball. Um, so, so I think that that speaks to the culture and the way that he's able to learn from his mistakes and the way that he's able to to listen. You know, we talk about having you know in our in our non football, non podcasting, non blogging lives. You know, having having good bosses and you know how bosses treat you like the boss that you can come to and say, Hey, I don't think it, I don't like the way you're doing this. I think we should do it like that. And they're like, yeah, you're like, they actually think about it and they actually take your ideas and they, and they're not just like, nah, I make more money than you. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, like that, there's huge value to that as well. Yeah. I think that might be his biggest strength is, you know, he's, he's willing to listen and, and it feels like he, he can be approached by, you know, this locker room now and, and the culture they have, but two, and you mentioned it, the growth. You sign Zach Taylor to a four-year extension. He's no longer the league's uh, 32nd highest paid coach like he was the first three seasons of his, of his tenure here in Cincinnati. And so you do that because not, not for the guy that coached in the Super Bowl, because there were multiple times this year I, I thought he – there were times where you're like, man, really? Like this is what you're going to do? But you're hoping that 39-year-old Zach Taylor, 40-year-old Zach Taylor, 41-year-old Zach Taylor – is better than 38-year-old Zach Taylor. And, and I think that that's the exciting part to me is he much like a quarterback, much like Jamar Chase at 21 years old, right? Zach Taylor at 41 might be really, really, really good, and, and there's, there's a path for that to happen. So that's why you invest. And obviously he had success this year. That's not necessarily why I'm excited about the extension. I think the reason you get excited about the extension is where he could end up being the coach he could end up becoming because he has shown that growth, that steady progress over the past couple of seasons. Yeah, and, and I I feel like that doesn't always happen with these guys too. You know, no, a lot of them just they just kind of do their thing. You know, and a lot of guys just have a system. I mean, this this outside the fact that they're running eleven personnel, this looks nothing like the Rams team that he came from. Like we. You know, we were all talking about, you know, you're not seeing nearly as much of the bunch. And uh, so there's some flexibility there, um, which, I mean, kind of ties into something that, that Jake, you had mentioned uh, off air about how they still don't have the offensive line. So 
what they're running is it, it, they're surviving with it. You know, the, like they're running the ball on second and 10, and we all complain about that. Um, and like probably like Twitter's most, you know, favorite thing to complain about is running the ball on second and long. But if your offensive line stinks, if, if you're going to throw the ball every second and long, you're really giving yourself two third and longs. You know what I mean? Because they're just going to tee off on you, and you got those guys that you know can't protect for that long, and you're putting them in a really bad situation. So what kind of a play caller is Zach Taylor, you know, if uh, if they if they sign Teron Armstead and James Daniels, you know, <laughs> and draft a guy next year, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden they can protect Burrow for as long as they want? That's something that really stands out to me when you look at Burrow's production and something that we'll talk about later this week on, on the Lockdown Bengals podcast is Joe Burrow in the intermediate part of the field. I think that they want to do a lot more there and they just can't protect it because some of that stuff is longer developing. And we'll wrap up our conversation with Matt about Zach Taylor's coaching prowess, get into the way that culture translates to the field. We talked about the Jamar Chase example, but not just that, Zach Taylor is a head coach. A lot made of him as just an offensive play caller, but obviously head coaches have a lot more going on than just calling plays. We'll wrap up that conversation coming up next. Today's episode brought to you by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a one-stop shop for all of your auto parts needs. It doesn't matter what make or model you drive. Maybe you drive a Toyota Corolla, a Daewoo, a Kia, a Mercedes-Benz like Matt Minnick over there. It doesn't matter what you drive. They're going to have the parts that you need for your vehicle to make sure you have that reliable transportation to get you from A to B anytime you need to. So make sure you check them out right now at rockauto.com. And don't spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts that you can have delivered conveniently to your home right now by going to rockauto.com. Check out all the parts available for your car, truck, and be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, Matt, let's finish up with some of the remaining strengths of Zach Taylor as a head coach from your perspective. We've talked about, you know, the way that he may be limited by his offensive line, some legitimate criticism, some areas for growth that he still has. And he's been growing as a coach. We've we've talked about that. And the, the one thing that you mentioned to me before we started recording is, you know, something that made me think about the way culture translates to the football field and the way that. Taylor is is thinking about his defense when he's going about his game planning. Yeah, I mean, we talk about situational football. I think complementary football gets really, really overlooked. And it, sometimes you're running the running the ball because you're trying to protect the offensive line. But I, I think there's also an aspect of running the ball, trying to protect uh, the defense a little bit too. Um, you know, this defense was much improved. The talent was much better than what they have been in the, in the past. But you know, I, I still think that if you if you're asking them to be on the on the field all day long, like you're going to have some problems. You got some breakdowns, and like we we saw that in the Super Bowl. You know, like we, we saw in the Super Bowl, they were getting stop after stop after stop, and then when it gets a little bit you know later in the game and they're worn down, like eventually it's it's getting tired. But it's also just kind of the way the NFL is set up. Like you can only stop an offense so many times. Um, so I think we have seen a fair amount of that where they're, they're using the ball, uh, they're using the clock, excuse me, uh, effectively on offense and not putting too much in the defense. They're generally not putting the defense in bad situations. You know, I, there's a there's another part of Twitter, the um, 
the it looks at the analytics and says let's go for it on fourth down every time and you know i think there are times you go for it on fourth down there are times not to go for it on fourth down and, and i think sometimes we don't think about what happens in the other end of that you know we don't think about going for fourth uh going for it on fourth down in the in you know the beginning of the super bowl and at least to a score for the other team uh like you've got to be able to balance those things out and weigh the weigh the risk reward of things and not put your defense in too many bad situations. Uh, I'll also jump back to week two of uh, 2021, uh, Thursday night football against the Cleveland Browns. The Bengals had no defensive line. Uh, I think Daniels was out that game. Gino was out like, Covington might have been signed on like Tuesday or something like that. Like they didn't have anybody and yeah. playing this team that that can run like crazy, you know, and 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 it has this great offensive line, Chubb, the whole works. Um, they they stopped the Browns on fourth down on the goal line at the beginning of the third quarter of that game, and they were in a position where, like, they might have been able to wage a comeback, and uh, ran a twist. I think it was Fred Johnson missed the block at right guard. Burrow strip sack. Yep. The game was over. <laughs> like, like they just like the defense just put it all out there, and they couldn't do it again. You know, the Browns scored in like two plays after that. They, they, like they were just done at that point. And then a couple drives later, like the Browns come out and they're they're running the ball like eight yards per carry or something like that because the defense was just done. Like they gave it all, they put it all out there, and they were toast. But if the offense puts them in that bad situation, like there's a, there's only so long you can do it for. So I think understanding that that aspect of complementary football, trying not to put too much on your defense, um, you know, which you know, like you've got to uh, you know weigh the risk reward of those types of situations when it comes down to to field position. Uh, like you, you, we talk about going for it on fourth down in the Super Bowl, like. The average field position, the Super Bowl, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it, it was a ridiculous difference between the two teams. Uh, I don't want to say something and have it be wrong, but it, but it was it was, it was was like two first downs difference. So, so it was someone in that ballpark. Um, I mean, that's putting the defense in a bad situation when you're letting yeah. them, them eat up that uh, all the time. When you can't get first downs, you can't keep them off the field, like they're going to they're gonna cave at some point. They're going to fall at some point. Um, and really, I think that's why, like, you see – we, we, people talk about bend don't break defense and it ha- kind of has a negative connotation to it sometimes, but like that's the only way you can play in the NFL because you're going to, the offense is going to have their opportunities. You know, like you got to stay on top of it and then be good situationally in the, in the red zone, which they were not in the Super Bowl, uh, to be able to get, to get those stops because the, the game's just so built for the offense that if, if you put them in positions, too many 50, 50 types, you know, positions like they're gonna they're gonna get them they're gonna keep taking right. those shots yeah right cooper cup's gonna beat eli apple with the game on the you know like it, it's just it's gonna happen a, a number of times and it, you just have to to be able to overcome it so yeah i uh i agree there and i think that it, it's it's funny as you were talking about like putting the defense in bad situations i felt like all year long in the press box at paul brown stadium i'm like how long can this defense hold up because it was like another punt or a turnover, especially in the first half of the year, right? It was a turnover, and it's like, all right, can you hold them to a field goal to stay in this game? And there was a lot of times where they put the defense in a, a rough situation, and to the, their credit, the defense usually stepped up. But you can only do that so often. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting too that early in the year, Zach Taylor kind of took some heat because in a press conference he said the defense wasn't getting enough turnovers. And uh, uh, like, if you're looking at him as the offensive coordinator, then you are absolutely right to say, well, that's, that's BS because you guys are turning the ball over way too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look at him as a head coach, like he was right. Like they weren't getting turnovers at the beginning of the year. And both of those things needed to change. And, and we did see that. And that was when they started winning was when they started, they started winning the turnover battle. They started giving Burrow more opportunities and, and not blowing it, you know, not putting the defense in bad situations by by throwing turnovers and getting them back in the field, putting them in bad field position, things like that. Um, we, you know, we, we saw a, a much better uh, much better position when, when they were able to do those things. So, again, that's an aspect of, well, let's not look at him as the offensive coordinator because he's not. He's, he's, he's the head coach. Uh, so you've got to be able to judge him on, on all those things and how they, how they mesh up with each other. Yeah, you're right. There, there was a, an emphasis put on turnovers. And once Joe Burrow started getting luckier with, with not having touchdown passes turned into interceptions, for example, things started to look a lot better and the Bengals got better results. But Matt, where I want to close is if, if you, from a coaching perspective, had to give Zach Taylor a priority list, here's your top two or three things that, that you can take away from this season to, to build on and get better at next year. What, what comes to mind for you if, if you were given that task? That's an excellent question. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I, I think that uh, they, they have been pretty good for the most part in the situational football. Uh, you know, winning, uh, winning that middle eight, you know, being able to, uh, you know, to turn around in that aspect. A uh, couple, of, couple of things that, that stand out, though, and they're, they're pretty obvious ones. They're ones we know about. Like, they don't do well at the beginning of the games. Uh, they, they were they were really slow to start, so I think that it speaks. Uh, I think it speaks to to the uh, maybe a limitation in the game planning a little bit. Um, I think they're very good at figuring out what's going on and adjusting to that in game, which is a very new concept in Cincinnati <laughs> after what we, yeah. we saw before that. Uh, so they're very they're very good at doing that. But I don't know, maybe there's just a little too much uh, like sampling. You know, maybe they're just kind of running a little bit too much stuff just to see how the how the defense will respond to it. Maybe that stuff needs to be sprinkled in over a little bit wider time frame and make sure they keep the chains moving while they're doing it. Um, the red zone seemed like it was good uh, for a while there, and then it, yeah. then it tapered off and ended up being a real big problem at, at the end of the year too. And um, I thought it was interesting because the, they don't talk much about who does what, uh, but when they were doing pretty well, Zach Taylor mentioned Troy Walters by name as being the guy that was responsible for that. I feel like they don't give us that information very often, um, but but they need to they need to address that. That could be a fixing the O line thing though, because yeah. I mean, let's face it, like if you can't run the ball and they're going to tee off on you, like you're not going to have a lot of issues. That you know you're going to have a lot of issues down there, and you um, got to be able to block in the red zone. Yeah, so. Um, you know, so that could be it could be a, a part of it, uh, absolutely. But um, I think those would be the like like the like the two biggest things are really looking at kind of from an offensive perspective, because uh, I I do think they, they do a good job with situational football. They do uh, overall they do a good job with understanding, uh, you know, complementary football. You know that working the the middle third uh, the way uh, excuse me the middle eight uh, the way they do, uh, which is 
some teams do it, but I feel like not a lot of people are gonna kind of emphasize that and realize that that's that's basically a turnover right there. Uh, you know, that you're you're scoring twice in a row without giving them another yeah. opportunity to. So um yeah, I mean I really I think his big areas for growth really are as as a as an offensive play caller and a game player. That makes sense to me. I, I think that the the script is is the one thing where you're right. They're so good at figuring it out and adjusting and getting there. But if they could maintain that and also capitalize on those first drives, that that would be a big step forward in like game script and all this stuff, and and would just have a, a nice little domino effect in the right direction for this team. That's Matt Minnick talking Zach Taylor, a nice long off-season episode talking about the Bengals' newly extended head coach. You can find him again on Twitter at Coach Minnick. He does some great work with Cincy Jungle and on the Chalk Talk podcast. Matt, appreciate the time and insight and coaching perspective on the Bengals head coach. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Until next time, Bengals fans, we're going to get into free agency. Laramie Tunzel, a trade idea perhaps. Mike Hilton's out there doing some recruiting. We'll get into all that this week and maybe some draft stuff as well. Until next time, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.